Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's today's message. Well, good morning. Like he said, I'm Pastor Hope Butcher, and I am the worship pastor here, and that is usually where I, I stay in my lane, typically. Um, I might, might try to speak into your life on an individual basis from time to time, but, um, but I have had this particular message uh, really burning in my own personal life for probably over a year now, if not longer. Um, our family's been on an interesting journey of uh, the unknown for, uh, we're coming up on our third year of um, our youngest son's diagnosis um, with a disability called apraxia. And it has been a roller coaster, as many of you who have gone through similar things would uh, would know. It is, there are days where you're just cheering and like running circles and excited to see progress. And then there are days that it feels like you just reverted back a year and a half. And, uh, and so the closeness that the Lord has brought me into himself, that, that degree of closeness um, as I've drawn into his presence more and more has just been a really uh, amazing journey for me personally. Uh, and to see his faithfulness, not just in fixing problems or, uh, you know, lifting my spirits, but his faithfulness to, uh, to give me words even before I see things come to pass um, in front of my eyes. Um, before we even knew that our son was going to have any issues, he was a newborn. And uh, before he was born, I got a word from the Lord about uh, why we should have that baby, why we should uh, try to have a fourth, which had not been in the plans since the beginning. Uh, but the Lord spoke to both of us individually. And then after he was born, I'm, I'm rocking him as a newborn, and the Lord spoke into that moment um, and really gave me, I didn't realize at the time, how much insight into the coming years. And so God is so faithful. And I knew it before, but you probably can understand that every time we walk through a crisis moment or a struggle in our life, every time we're faced with an obstacle, especially the ones we were not expecting at all, uh, we have an opportunity to draw in closer to the Lord and see a different facet of him. We get to see a different side of him. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning is, is what does that mean uh, to, to really discover the more of God? And the Bible, Bible uses that phrase, and we're going to look at some scripture in a minute. But when I say the more of God, what I'm talking about is beyond what you've already experienced in him, beyond what you've even just seen others experience in him. I'm talking about things that your imagination can't even comprehend right now. There's more of him out there. There's more of him that he offers uh, to us freely. And with every struggle, with every uh, rejoicing and celebratory moment, with every obstacle, there's an opportunity to discover more of him. And um, I want to talk about that here this morning. So when Pastor Josh was talking about uh, sometime this summer, we were having a conversation about this uh, particular series coming up. And, and I said, um, 
I have something to say about that. And so whenever you want to put me in there, just, you know, stick me in a week and let me know and I'm ready. And this is not like a, he asked me and I like had to go cook something up. No, this is like something that's been in me. And I had to like whittle it down for y'all this morning. I'm telling you, it's so much good stuff that the Lord's been showing to me. So I'm excited to share it with you. Um, I believe that our church is on... um, this trajectory right now. Um, And if you're just visiting, you might have felt it a little bit during worship um, if you don't come here a lot. Um, We are excited because for many of us, things that we've been praying for the Lord to do in our church community and in our times of worship together, he's beginning to like really, you know, make that happen in front of us. And it, um, it's so exciting to see uh, in my, my kids are gamers. And so they would say like the, you know, these times of like leveling up and being, you know, to that next level, because there are levels to God, you know? Um, and I think some of us have a hard time after we take that initial step of salvation and, and asking the Lord to, to be our savior and committing to him and saying, okay, I'm going to follow your teachings, Jesus. I'm inviting you into my life. Um, I think a lot of us struggle with, like, what's next after that, right? Because we did the thing. We know, like, okay, I love God. God loves me. We're good, you know? So now what? Now I've still got life to live. So what does that look like? And I hope that this morning I can kind of help put some words to um, to what you're feeling and what you can do next and maybe help you define that a little bit better um, as we look at some stories um, in the Gospels. Uh, but my, my initial um, scripture that I want to read first this morning is from, from Ephesians 3, and you can go ahead and um, put that up there. The, uh, you're probably really more familiar with a translation um, that says uh, where it talks about the... Um, immeasurable more of God or the uh, he that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask. You're probably more familiar with that particular translation of the scripture. But uh, last year I was in my Bible reading plan and I decided to do all the New Testament reading last year in the Passion Translation just for sort of a fresh uh, look at it. And I ran across this translation of this scripture and it is full of stuff and we're not even going to hit on all of it this morning. Um, But I just wanted to share it with you. Um, Would you stand with me? I'm a little bit old fashioned about reading scripture and I believe in honoring the word of God. And so we're going to read this together. We're starting in verse 16 and this is the Passion Translation. It says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love, amen, will become the very source and root of your life then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding 
This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Amen. You can sit down. Thank you for reading that with me. I think that's powerful to to read uh, the word of God together. Um, Another translation in verse 18 um, says that you may have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. There are dimensions of God. There are things so far beyond anything that's even ever been recorded in church history or, or even recorded in the Bible. There are dimensions to him that I believe people have never even experienced yet, that we can't even comprehend. And so uh, the prayer to him, the appropriate prayer to him would be, God, I'm asking you to do this, whatever it looks like, Right? What would it be like to have that posture in prayer to say, here's what I see, God. Here's what I feel like you're revealing to me. Do it. Show me whatever it looks like. And when you really think about that statement and that invitation to the Lord, that's a big thing to say. That's a bold prayer to have because you're saying that Whatever God, however you want to work this out, however you see fit, I trust you. Like we were singing earlier, I trust you. I know you're faithful. I don't see how this is going to unfold, but I trust you. Whatever it looks like, God, I know that I can trust you with this. And that posture in prayer will change your relationship with the Lord. It will change the way that you uh, see your life. And you see the things that, that happen in your life. It will change that. And uh, Paul is explaining to us in that scripture that there are these dimensions, that God's love is even beyond our imagination. But we begin, as we seek after him, we will begin to understand more and more. We can understand the more of God as we follow after him, as we chase after him. So why would God want me to have more of him? You know, I think a lot of traditions um, have a tendency to to water down uh, their theology to the point where they're saying, okay, well, if you're just saved, if you'll just like say, yes, I accept Jesus, then you're good to go and everything's going to be fine. And then a lot of us, if we begin to believe something like that, that that's all there is to it, then we we have this mentality that it's almost like a a beggar's mentality about his grace. It's a beggar's mentality about blessing and favor in God because then we come to God and we say, did I do enough? Like, is this, I'm good, right, God? I'm still going to heaven, still gonna see my grandmother when I die, like all that's still good, okay. And then we encounter a struggle or an obstacle that we weren't expecting And suddenly, things start falling apart because we have this perspective that that if we, and don't get me wrong, the grace of Jesus is complete for our life. Like, he does save us, and he does take us from our sin and make us a new creature. But don't fall short of what could be in your life, even here on the earth. Don't fall short of what he has for you because each one of us has a specific assignment and calling. 
And we have a really bad habit, especially I think in, in America, because we're used to the idea of like job interviews and tryouts and auditions and things. And, and we approach things from this perspective of like, well, this is all I've got. I'm going to go in here and I hope they like me, you know. And I think we approach God that way sometimes like, ah, you know, Lord, you know, my grandma's sick. And it's really stressing me out, but I know it's just a part of life, right? It's just everybody goes through this. So I just want to, like, throw that out there, God. And if you can do it, fine. If not, I know you're just going to help me through it. It'll be fine. But, but, Lord, would you heal her? I mean, is that asking too much, God? And God's up there saying, let's go. Not only do I want to heal your grandmother, I want to do it right in front of your eyes. I want you to be standing there and not believe what you just saw happen. I want you to go with her to the doctor and hear the doctor say, we don't know how this tumor completely evaporated, but it did, and you're fine, and you're free to go. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to just eke by and survive and strive and make it every day. He doesn't want us to encounter difficulty and, and say, okay, well, that's life, right? That's life. Man, another bad day, another Monday, you know. Uh, he doesn't want that for us. He wants more. He's fun. He's adventurous. He's exciting. And if your relationship with Jesus is not exciting, if you feel bored, then let me just tell you, you're not doing it right. And I don't mean that every day you wake up, there's going to be birds landing on your shoulders as you sing from your bed and people bring breakfast to you. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean that if you can change your perspective on the way God interacts with his people, you'll begin to see those struggles and those bad reports come or that incredibly high water bill. Amen. How many of you have had a water leak and that $1,500 bill came in the mail? You'll, you'll go to the mailbox and see that and you'll be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> He's done it before. He's answered prayers before. I didn't know how he was going to do it. I don't know how this is going to work out, but here we go, God. I guess you've got something for me. I'm getting off track because I'm excited, but But the more of God is not for a special select group of people. It is not for just pastors. It is not for just contemporary Christian songwriters. It is not just for worship leaders and Sunday school teachers. The more of God is for every single person who calls Jesus their savior. And we don't have to always understand how it's going to work out or what it what is going on in the situation. We don't have to understand every detail to encounter him. And I want to show you a, just a few things, a few stories that really stood out to me in scripture that um, as I was reading through uh, the New Testament, God just uh, highlighted these things. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. That's the more that I'm talking about. And I think you're going to identify with one of these characters today um, in one of these stories. The first one I want to talk about is after Jesus had been raised from the dead, after he resurrected himself, come on, somebody, that was crazy. He had told his friends and his family that this was going to happen, and they're like, okay, yep, 
that's going to be really something. Like, we'll see how that goes. And you know how we are. You know, Jesus speaks something over us, and the first day it's like, yes, that's going to happen. And then the next couple of days you're like, he'll probably just do it this way. And we start, like, figuring out what are the loopholes God's going to use in this situation to not really do the miracle that I thought he was going to do. And we start, like, you know, talking God out of it, you know, like in our prayer. And, but he said, I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to raise myself from the dead. Nobody's ever done that before and hasn't done it since. And I'm not going to be dead anymore. You're going to realize what all of this was about. And so they go to the tomb after Jesus had been buried and they're sad and they have a good reason to be really sad. They're upset. They just saw the most beautiful, amazing human being, their friend, their loved one, suffer the most difficult death that has ever been. They saw him suffer. They saw him bleed. They saw him probably cry. They saw him uh, not breathing well, you know, gasping for breath. They just watched this. And it was horrific, and it was horrible. And then on top of that, they had probably how some of us have felt when we've had to pay for funeral expenses before. They, they probably felt shame that they had to bury him in a borrowed tomb. They couldn't even provide for him a tomb worthy of who he was. And so all of these emotions of that loss are going through their, their minds. And they go to the tomb, and his body is not there. And yes, and we say hallelujah. You know what they were saying? Crap. This couldn't get any worse? Did this really just happen? Those those Romans or or those religious leaders are scheming it. We can't catch a break here. Is it not enough that they buried him? They had to go take his body too and and stage some kind of death so that nobody would would be confused or nobody would uh, be on the wrong side of the team. They're mad. They're upset. They're let down. They don't know where he is. This is the first time in this journey with him that he's not there physically with them telling them what's going to happen next. He had already told them, but you know how it is in those moments of grief. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even, I can't make heads or tails of this. I'm just upset. I'm sad. I'm, I'm disappointed, God. You were going to, this is not what we thought this was going to look like. We are disappointed. You've left us. You're, you've forsaken us. How many of you have felt like, okay, this is the worst it's ever been. You have forsaken me. I know you haven't. My mind is saying, no, that's not possible. He doesn't do that. But every emotion inside of me is saying, he's forsaken me. This is not, no, okay. We have just followed this person around from city to city and given these years of our life, and I guess that was it. I guess that's the best it was going to get. It was really awesome. Thank you, God, for what you did, and okay, we'll just go back to business as usual. But Mary stays behind, and um, this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This was the friend, Mary, that was very close to him. She was very close to him. We have lots of stories about uh, their interactions, and they're always very precious, and you really see Jesus um, in those moments, 
having such compassion and speaking to her in a very, uh, a very sensitive and precious way because she, she wanted to understand. She always had questions. And so it says that she's standing outside the tomb and um, she's just seen angels, you know, which is kind of like, okay. Okay, well, that's a nice touch, God. Thanks for the angels. That makes this all a little bit better, but still don't know where Jesus is, and I'm disappointed. And she turns around, and there's this gardener standing there. There's this man standing there, and she thinks he's a gardener. And um, he says, why are you crying? She's like, well, they've, they've taken Jesus. They've taken his body, you know. It's like the last straw right now. This is the this is the lemon juice on the paper cut moment in this story. They've taken his body and you know, if you if you have any idea where they took it, could you just show me cuz I I want to go take care of his body. I want to go pour the herbs over him and the oils and and mourn the pro- I just want to mourn him the proper way. Can you just tell me where his body is? And it said that he says to her, Mary, and then she realizes in that moment, oh, Jesus. She says, teacher, teacher, it's you. Oh, yeah, you said you were going to do this. <laughs> you said this was going to happen. Whoa, it really happened. It's really you. We got to go tell everybody. But I love that moment where, where she doesn't even recognize him. Isn't that crazy? And I believe, as I was reading this, I felt like the Lord showed me this. I believe it wasn't in this moment, it wasn't that Jesus had really changed anything about, you know, he still looked like Jesus. I don't believe he had physically changed. I don't believe he was like cloaking his face in a mysterious way. I believe that her fear and doubt and grief in that moment was so much bigger than anything even common sense wise. I believe it was so engulfing every part of her that she looks him in the face and she still doesn't recognize him because that would mean that she's stretching her imagination beyond what she's really seeing in front of her, which is disappointment and fear and doubt. And, and I believe she was so clouded in that moment by her, her doubt and her disappointment that she couldn't even recognize him. And then he speaks into that doubt and disappointment. He calls her name the way he had called it so many times before. And she was a female for him to give this much attention and special compassion to her, it really was special. It's not like today where we can just, I mean, we don't have it perfect, but where men and women can interact freely and, and, and work the jobs and all of that. This was, this was a particular powerful moment that he decided, I'm going to show up for her and I'm going to speak her name and she's going to realize And in that moment, all of that was erased. He was there. We're safe again. He's here. 
And I believe that some of us have a hard time seeing what God is doing in our life because our fear and our doubt and the pressure of this world is so overwhelming sometimes. And do you know what we have to do? We have to start magnifying the one. We have to start magnifying our Savior. We have to start saying, Jesus, you have this. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are good. I praise your name through my circumstances. I lift up my worship to you. You've never let me down before, and you're not going to do it this time. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I still have a roof over my head. My children have food on the table for today. And you'll continue to do it every other day too. You are faithful. So this thing in front of me, I'm not going to let it overwhelm me. I'm going to step out of that. And, and the thing about God is he doesn't expect you to just self-talk your way into those answers. Because the moment you turn your attention to him, he speaks your name. And he says, son, daughter, fear be gone. Doubt be gone. There's another story. Um, and uh, this one's really weird. And I'm going to, I'm running out of time. Uh, we call this the Mount of Transfiguration. It's like this really like fancy part in the Bible that nobody really ever talks about. But it's this moment where Jesus takes James and John and Peter um, up on this mountain. He had gotten into this routine of having to find isolated places to pray and worship and and meet with God uh, because everywhere he went at this point, it's the, the Jesus circus, like heal this, do this, you know, free this. And, you know, that's awesome. And he loved that. But but Jesus, was, he had more than just the party tricks he was trying to do. And sometimes he even got frustrated. He's like, yes, I heal you. But <laughs> that's not what this is about. This is not only about that. And so at this point, he's gone up on a mountain. And this is just such a weird story. But he goes up there, and he takes them with him. And it said, um, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach, this is a good translation, could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking to Jesus. Now, <laughs> there is a beautiful painting of this moment um, that Raphael the painter actually created, and it is a gorgeous painting, and it just is like the glory, you know, and all of this, and um, I don't think this was that pretty of a moment, though, <laughs> because you got to think about James and John and Peter, and they're like, they're like, yeah, we've been up on mountains to pray with him before. Here we go. This is cool. All right. We've climbed all the way up here, and then this happens. Moses and Elijah and these were like major heroes to them, right? These are people that they've been talking about and hearing about their whole lives. These are like the big guys. And they just show up. And Jesus is just like, he's got to have a meeting with the heaven people here. And you know, and of course, Peter like inserts himself. And I, he's like, oh, I think we should 
I know what we'll do. In the Old Testament, when, you know, these important people came, they created these, like, shelters for them. And so I'm going to say that. Jesus is going to think I'm like, I got this. So Peter, of course, open mouth, insert foot, right? And I know Jesus is over there like, calm down, Peter, you know. Jesus doesn't even address it. He doesn't answer Peter's question. And so you know that James and John and Peter are like, what is happening right now? What is this? Is that really? I mean, I guess they were like using each other's names because I don't even know how they would have recognized these guys, right? But the name gets mentioned. And then this cloud comes and the voice from heaven speaks and declares who Jesus is right before them. And then Jesus had just revealed, started revealing to the disciples that he was going to have to die and that he would go back to heaven and all this. But in the weirdest way, Elijah and Moses and Jesus are chatting about how he's going to do this. And, okay, well, you, so, in a, you know, these days and these weeks, you're going you're gonna to have this happen. It's going to be really bad. And then you're going to come back up here with us you know, after you're done here. And so they're like having a meeting about this. It's like the weirdest story. And then it says that the men fall to the ground because they're overwhelmed by this cloud and this voice in the presence of God. And then they open their eyes and they only see Jesus. And I think that's worded so awesome because it was like all the confusion was gone and there was Jesus. That's all that mattered. Like, okay, he's here with us again. You know, he's not glowing in the white, weird stuff again. Um, So, and then Jesus looks at him and is like, forget this ever happened. Like, don't. And the the only way that Jesus, only Jesus can do, right? He does this all the time. Don't tell anybody about this. And one of the, one of the um, gospels (laughs) talks about it that, and after that, they often referred to this moment again and talked about it and asked each other questions. But why, why is he bringing them there? What is the point of that? To freak them out? Is it just fun for him to like show off? I mean, maybe. But I believe that we find out later in 2 Peter, he refers to this moment again. And he says, this is Peter talking, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from, the God, from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves, James, John, Peter, heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So I believe the point of this moment, this weird, like, why did he bring us here? This is so awkward, Jesus. We don't know what to do. I believe the point of that was because Jesus knew they weren't going to understand it right now. They weren't going to understand it in that moment. It was like, y'all, it was so over their simple way of thinking about how all this was going to go down. And later on, after all the Jesus on earth stuff has happened and they've, they've witnessed all of this and they become the leaders of the church, Peter's reflecting on this, and he's like, let me tell you, that was real. What we saw was real. And it's so, I think Jesus knew, 
I know they're not ready for this right now, but we're going to expose them to more than they can handle in this moment. And it's going to mark them for the rest of their life. So later, when I'm not there, and they have a lot of questions, at least they'll be able to look back on these situations and be like, okay, well, you know, maybe the dead people were just sleeping and woke up on their own, or maybe they were in a coma, you know, or maybe, you know, that person just got well on their own, but there's no way to explain what happened on that mountain that day. The three of us saw it, and we were never the same. And I believe that some of us are in a place where God is showing us things that are a little bit weird and a little bit scary in our walk with him, like levels of him where you're not sure you've ever seen anybody pray for this before or expect this before. And I believe God is saying, now is the time. This is what I've been preparing you for. Take that step forward. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be able to to control it or manipulate it or make it what you need it to be. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna give you the words to say, and I'm gonna show up when you ask for me to show up. There's another story I was going to share, and I'm just going to refer to it really briefly because I don't have time to go into it. But there, was, there were these people after Jesus, he had appeared uh, to the others already that like we talked about. But then there are these guys walking on the road to Emmaus. And this is another really weird story. And Jesus actually hides his appearance. Like, I mean, he, was, he didn't, like, cover up, but he just, like, made, he made it where they didn't understand who he was. They couldn't tell that it was him. And he starts walking with them, and it said that they, uh, he was like, what's going on? Why are you so sad? And they're like, are you the only person that doesn't know what just happened this week? Like, everybody knows what happened. And... He's like, oh, really? Tell me, what was it? You know, and he starts asking them to tell him. And he's walking for a long time. The Bible tells us he actually told the entire, like, basically story of the Bible as he's walking. And Jesus, you know, and it, it was a long walk. And they still don't know who he is. They're like, this guy's really knows his, you know, scripture here. He's like, this guy's awesome. They're walking. They walk all the way back home, and they say, you want to come in and have dinner with us? So he sits down with them, and he breaks bread with them, which was the traditional way of sharing a meal. And um, I've heard some people refer to this moment. He broke bread, and they realized who it was. In that moment, all of a sudden, they knew it was him. And some people believe that it was like he broke the bread and his, his palms and his wrists were shown. That all of the sudden, whoa, this guy's got the nail marks. This is Jesus. <laughs> oh, and they're like, that's why we felt such warmth in our heart when he was talking. That's why we felt so drawn to him. That was Jesus all that time? And then he disappears because he's fun like that. And he goes and, you know, (laughs) surprises some other people. But this moment of like, what just happened with Jesus? What did Jesus just do? He reveals himself to us in his time, in his way, the things that we're praying for him to do, he has a time and a place for. And he wants us to seek him out and look for more. 
And why is this important? Because a lot of us understand being filled with the Spirit as being like this water bottle. Okay, I would say this is a full water bottle. Would you say that's full? I haven't opened it yet. I haven't had any. But the thing is, it's not full. And the only way that it would be full is if it was actually overflowing over the top. That would mean it was full. That's how fullness is measured by overflow. And many of us, I feel like, are we're like right here. We're really close. We're really close to giving God permission to flow through us in a, in a greater way. But he's not going to just push himself on you. He wants you to invite him into that. And so why do we need overflow? Well, I, my overflow cannot be your overflow. Pastor Josh, Pastor Brian, their overflow cannot be your overflow. We can't go to the places you go. We don't know the people you know. We're happy to help, but we don't, we're not in those places with you every time. And so our overflow cannot be your overflow. You have to have your own overflow. And the way that you do that is you start seeking and running and chasing after God and saying, whatever that looks like, God, make me a conduit for whatever you want to do. I'm just here, God. I love that Jesus lives in me. I love that his spirit is in me for me. But as Pastor Bill Johnson said, he he is in me for me, but he comes upon me for you. His presence is so important in our lives because it impacts the world around us. And without that, we're just, we're fine. We're living our little Christian life but it's a lot harder that way. It's a lot more boring that way. And when you encounter a struggle, it's really hard to make sense of everything. But when the presence of God is overflowing in your life, it just brings all these things into perspective. And he'll begin to do things that blow your mind. Things that you didn't expect. They didn't expect him to show up these ways. They almost didn't recognize him in every one of these stories. And it could it be that our minds are, are confining him to our own imagination because we haven't given him permission to show up in a new way. That the more of God actually dwells in the things that we don't see yet and we don't understand yet. And to run with him and ask him to show us those things will be so powerful It will change not only what happens in this room, but as we talk about all the time, when we go out of these doors, our whole city will change. Our whole area will change if we've invited the spirit to overflow and flow out of our lives. It will change. So what does this look like practically? It means that every moment, every inconvenience, every moment of favor and blessing everything that we encounter in our day-to-day life. And I don't mean just the big things. I mean the little annoying things too. Every single one of those things is an opportunity to say, God, what what is this about right now? Ask him. He will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. All of a sudden you realize 
the, your toilet broke. It was the most annoying thing, but the plumber that came to your house needed to be prayed for that day. Now, we can all pout and be mad when my toilet broke. I had to pay that guy $200 to even show up. No. You got to pay $200 to share Jesus with someone. That's just money, y'all. That's just time. You got the opportunity if you were sensitive to the Spirit and allowed Him to work. This circumstance was not about you. It was not about your wallet. It was not about your toilet. It was about the plumber that showed up at your house and needed prayer that day. If you can change your perspective to be thinking about the kingdom of God and His presence here on the earth at all times, all times, then these problems and these inconveniences and even the really, really hard stuff, I'm not just talking about looking for a silver lining in a cloud or whatever that dumb statement is. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about, no, there's a cloud and God uses clouds. Amen? He uses them. He uses the fog of men's not understanding to, ma- to make his glory known and to reveal things to his people. And to be overwhelmed with that hunger, that something that I could come into his presence and have something so significant happen that when I walk out of these doors, I change the world that I live in. That is the goal. The goal is not what we can accumulate here on earth. It's not even how great we can raise our kids. God will show us all of that and guide us in all of that. But our greatest calling is to take his presence with us, whatever it looks like. Maybe we don't even recognize it at first until we ask him, would you reveal yourself in this? What are you doing? Because I know you're up to something. So what is it that you're doing right now? What is it you're doing? Because it's all about heaven invading earth. We're going to wrap up really quick. Lisa, if you'll come up. See, heaven is a place that has complete and full confidence in God. That's what heaven is. It's the presence of God, the full and complete confidence in who he is and what he does and everything that he says. And if we can invite that presence, that heaven into our own life and to say, God, let my countenance show that kind of confidence in who you are. Let my countenance, my face, my words that I speak, let that carry your presence everywhere and show people that heaven really is, it can be now. Heaven is here now. Heaven is invading earth now. His presence is invading earth now. Lord, let us be used by you in that way, God. Let our countenance shine with heaven, the confidence that heaven places in God. Let us take that confidence in you everywhere we go, your presence, God, the fullness of your presence. Let us carry it everywhere we go. Lord, flow through us, God. Flow through us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. 
We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.